Section 26 of Short Stories from Locomotive Engineers Journal, Volume 52. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Avai in March 2016. Short Stories from Locomotive Engineers Journal, Volume 52, by Various. Section 26. Making an Acquaintance by F. A. Mitchell. Miss Atherton had gone to the country for the summer. She was a devoted automobilist and had intended to drive herself to the summer home of the Athertons, but the machine broke down the day before she was to start, and so busy were the mechanics that no one was available to make repairs. Miss Atherton therefore reluctantly decided to take a train, and the auto went to the shop to wait till someone could find time to repair it. From the moment Miss Atherton reached her country home, she missed her auto. She busied herself in her flower garden, and returned temporarily to the bicycle which she had ridden as a little girl, but none of her devices for killing time sufficed. A week passed, and the auto did not come. To one used to motoring, the perambulators provided by nature seem very inefficient. Miss Atherton fretted at having to walk or to remain at home on a bright afternoon, when she would like to be spinning along over smooth roads in her car. One morning she started for a walk. The weather was balmy and rather suggestive of a siesta than trudging along a country road. Miss Atherton's motions were langorious. Presently she passed a spick-and-span machine standing beside the road. At the end of a long walk was a house. Doubtless the car belonged to someone in the house. The lady stopped and surveyed the machine covetously. It was a car for two persons. The nickel plate of the wheel, the starting and illuminating devices, glistened in the sun. Miss Atherton was tempted to open the door and rest herself on the cushions. Glancing at the house, no one was in sight, no one was coming up or down the road. There was a click, and Miss Atherton was in the car. Another click denoted that she had closed the door. Everything about her was quiet. Only birds sang. She touched the electric starter. There was a burr of wheels. Before she realized what she was doing, she had completed turning on the power, and the machine moved. How lovely! How easy! How comfortable! How restful after walking! She would run up the road for a short distance, turn and bring the car back to the place where she had found it. As she moved off, Jack Coolidge, the owner of the captured machine, came out of the house and from the porch saw someone running away with his machine. Instead of following on his legs, he ran around to a garage, got out another machine, and gave chase. Quite likely, stealing is often at first unintentional. The thief admires something, perhaps covets it. He takes it in his hand. Surprised by someone who enters without seeing his act, he pockets the object, intending to replace it when he can do so unnoticed. Miss Atherton was about to turn with the auto when she heard the sputter of a motor engine behind her. What possessed her to act as she did was a mystery to her. Hearing the words, Stop, thief! 
it occurred to her that if she obeyed the order she would be taken to police station tried for larceny and sent to state prison her first impulse was to put on speed her second was to put on more speed and the third was to use all the power of which the machine was capable then followed a mad race coolidge got near enough to see that a woman was at the wheel but he could not see what she was like but presently when she turned a short distance ahead of him he got a better view and was astonished to see one who wore the apparel of a lady the mystery deepened women don't steal auto cars such thefts are usually made by men and very rough men at that he could not conceive of a lady stealing his car she was speeding along at such breakneck speed that he began to fear she would come to grief what to do he could not decide he followed on as he had begun an auto coming from the opposite direction met the fleeing girl and the driver saw by the expression and the speed at which she was travelling that she was under some great excitement she flashed by him and when in a few moments her pursuer did the same it was evident that a mad race was on between a woman and a man was it a real chase or material for a moving picture show the observer did not know but having an old-fashioned machine he decided not to interfere and passed on wondering other machines were met and the drivers of most of them seeing two cars coming like the wind drew up beside the road to give them a safe passage coolidge was driving a machine not capable of making the speed of the one being run away with but for a time he gained on it since he dare use his power to a greater extent the fugitive for a time maintained some degree of caution but as her pursuer gained on her she took risks without being fully conscious of their magnitude coolidge having her before him could see every turn she made and the risks she took fearing that he was goading her to take them he slackened speed himself hoping she would do the same unfortunately for this purpose the lady had no eyes in the back of her head and could not see whether her pursuer was gaining on her or losing ground however her ears told her that the machine behind her was making less noise and had she not lost her head completely she would have reduced her speed accordingly since she showed no sign of doing so coolidge pressed his accelerator and soon drew up within hailing distance he thought of calling but remembering the result of his first effort refrained presently he saw the thief turn a sharp bend in the road the auto skidded followed a tortuous course for some distance and brought up against a deserted shanty before it struck the chauffeur had succeeded in reducing its speed and neither she nor the machine were much injured though both were badly jarred but miss atherton was more rattled at being overhauled than by the jarring take me to jail she cried take me to jail i'm a thief now there was everything in miss atherton's appearance to belie her confession coolidge saw at once that what appeared on the surface was not the truth are you hurt he asked solicitously his tone was reassuring miss atherton looked up and saw a gentleman regarding her not only kindly but admiringly miss atherton though she had regained her equanimity and satisfied herself that she was in no danger of being dragged to jail was still not herself nevertheless she was still a woman 
she began to throw the blame on Mr. Coolidge. "'What were you trying to run me down for?' she asked in no friendly tone. "'I could not see that a lady was driving my machine, so I naturally supposed someone was trying to get away with it.' Miss Atherton looked as if she were about to burst into tears. "'You were quite welcome to use my machine, I assure you,' faltered Coolidge, fearing a collapse. "'Then why didn't you say so?' "'How could I say so when I was not on hand?' "'But you cried out, Stop, thief!' "'I supposed someone was stealing my machine. "'I did not know that a young lady had merely borrowed it.' "'Miss Atherton was recovering herself slowly. "'She made no rejoinder to Mr. Coolidge's last remark. "'He concluded to make an effort to get her either to her home or his,' anywhere but where she was there were two vehicles to be taken care of but now that she had ceased to be buoyed up by the excitement he did not have to trust her to drive either of them besides he did not know whether the one she had been driving would be available after the collision opening the door of the car in which he had made the pursuit he begged her to enter where are you going to take me she asked to your home what will you do with the one I injured? Leave it where it is for the present. She walked lamb-like to the door he was holding open and entered the car. He entered at the wheel-side and, turning into the road, drove back over the course they had been racing. But the return speed was very different from the outgoing. Mr. Coolidge was quite delighted with the adventure. He was pleased that his car had not been stolen, and still more pleased to have a pretty girl beside him who had given him an opportunity to show his gallantry by borrowing his car without leave. She begged him to permit her to send a man to take his machine to a shop and repair it, but he declared that it had not been damaged. Then began an explanation as to how she had come to run away with his car, but it was not exactly the one already given with this story up to the point where Coolidge had cried, Stop, thief! It was a succession of excuses. From that point onward it was a lamentation that he had made her think that she was flying from a long imprisonment. Coolidge declared that hanging would be too good for him, but he did not suggest anything else that he could have done under the circumstances. By the time he got her home he had implored her forgiveness, but what for did not matter. There was a sort of reconciliation between them, and everybody knows that making up between a young man and a young woman is liable to stir the emotions. At any rate, when they parted, Coolidge had received permission to call in the evening to learn if the shock Miss Atherton had received had been fraught with serious consequences. Coolidge availed himself of the privilege accorded him, and Miss Atherton had scarcely finished her dinner before he was announced. He seemed very anxious, lest some sign of physical or mental shock had appeared during the interval since he had last seen her, and gave vent to an expression of joy when she assured him that she had suffered no injury whatever, except that she should have placed herself in such an embarrassing position. Coolidge assured her that he understood perfectly the innocence of the motive that actuated her in temporarily borrowing his car and assumed all the blame for causing her to take to flight. These self-accusations and his efforts to render them negatory took up the evening until near midnight, when the gentleman bade the young lady good-night and went home. 
A few days later Miss Atherton's car arrived, and she did penance for appropriating Mr. Coolidge's machine by inviting him to drive with her. During the summer the couple took many auto rides together, with the usual consequences. The nuptial festivities were celebrated in the autumn. End of section 26